I read a, an interesting article the other week about um, this company called Aurora Cannabis. Now, they, they just uh, secured a loan for up to $250 million with the Bank of Montreal. That's in Canadian dollars. Now, that is incredible to me because that means they think they can make that money back. It's a lot of money. And from what I read, the loan matures in 2021. That's in three years. So they think they can make that much money in three years. That tells me that legalized cannabis or marijuana is going to be a hot seller. It's going to make a lot of money. There's going to be a lot of competition as well. Now, I'm in Canada, and we're set to legalize very shortly. And I know there's a few states, a handful of states in the U.S. that are doing the same. Um, but whether or not you agree with the legalization or not, whether or not you're on board with it, you cannot deny the fact that it's going to create legitimate work for, for trades. Okay, because you got to build these facilities. Okay, you got to provide HVAC, plumbing, and electrical. You need plant experts. You need um, people that are in charge of compliance of this of the facility to make sure everything's on point. So we're going to create a lot of jobs. All right, and I got a guest on today, Dan Thompson. Now Dan um, has given me a lot of good information recently on grow rooms, legitimate, like a, a legitimate operation. And he's only done the one, but he's very knowledgeable on the subject for only doing one of them. And I'm really impressed with, with what he knows. And he's given me the most information out of anybody because I've been asking for a while. I've been asking people online and calling up uh, companies and everybody's tight-lipped. And I'm not really sure why. It's not like it's a secret. So, we're going to get Dan on. We're going to we're going to talk about some some grow operations discussion the one he's done specifically and maybe we'll learn something along the way. So you guys that follow HVAC know it all online on different social media platforms will notice that I've been posting pump tips daily and we're going from 1 to 30. 30 pump tips. Um, 30 days in a row. Now, these are from the good people at Armstrong, from the engineering department, so they're pretty legitimate tips. All right, now I'm going to read to you pump tip number eight because I find it intriguing. Not the pump tip itself, but the pump assembly that's used in the tip. You guys are going to have to go to Google and Google this yourself afterwards to check it out because it's a pretty badass pump. Um, that they're using to form this tip. So I'm going to read you this tip. If you get in a situation where you need more flow and there is no room for another pump and piping, consider dual head pumps or two pump rotating assemblies fit in a casing designed to operate in a single pipe. The pump heads may be operated alone or together for double flow or with integrated controls, which will operate each unit, bringing the second pump online to optimize the efficiency for lower power costs. So this is Armstrong's Tango Pump. You got to Google it. Basically, it's two pumps in one assembly, okay, with a one-pipe system. So between the two pumps, 
There's a one pipe system below an inlet and an outlet. So you can have this assembly installed and you can run one pump and then you can bring on the other if needed. And it's all in this small compact package rather than piping two separate pumps side by side pipe parallel. So you guys check that out on Google. That's the Armstrong Tangle Pump, and that's pump tip number eight. This podcast is brought to you by Armstrong. HVAC Know-It-All is sponsored by Testo, Yellow Jacket, Refrigeration Technologies, True Tech Tools, Armstrong, and Field Pulse. Guys, listen to the end of this podcast. True Tech Tools has changed the way the promo code Know-It-All uh, works to receive the 8% discount. Not a big change, just a small one. But listen up so I can explain to you what the changes are. Hey guys, has anybody tried out Field Pulse yet? Serious question. Get back to me with your feedback and let me know. Because I would love to hear about it. A 14-day free trial is something that I think maybe if you're looking to take your company towards the future, is something you should take advantage of. Because you can get all your questions asked and do all your learning within that 14-day free umbrella. So guys, check it out. Fieldpulse.com forward slash HVAC know-it-all for your 14-day free trial. Hello. Hey, Dan. How you doing? Good. You? Good. I um, <laughs> I was covering up my my microphone there because in the last podcast I was talking to Eric. I don't know if you heard it, but in the beginning, I could hear myself breathing like Darth <laughs> Darth Vader. So yeah, the, I haven't listened to it yet. So. Oh, okay. Well, while the phone was ringing on the last podcast, I was just covering. I, I could hear myself breathing. Um, hey, how's your AC running, by the way? <laughs> well it's, it's it's blowing a 30 amp fuse every i got an old house so it's um screwing glass fuses and it's uh blowing the fuse every few days but uh, i had a pretty pitted contactor so i'm hoping that'll take care of it was it um your post there the crankcase heater was that shorted as well it, it wasn't shorter but it was open uh, that's the only thing it was a it was a friday night right a long weekend and uh I only had two 15-amp glass fuses downstairs, so before I popped those suckers in, I wanted to be damn sure I, I checked everything. And uh, The only thing we could come up with was that crankcase and, and a pretty severely pitted uh, uh, contactor, so I just changed the contactor this afternoon, so we'll see it, how she goes. It's- it was a funny story because I was at, uh, like I saw the weather forecast um, for the for the weekend, and, and we were up, what, it felt like, 45 46 and that's like equivalent to like 100 and between 110 115 degrees fahrenheit something like that that's right yeah so i saw the weather forecast and i'm like and we were going up to our trailer for a few days and i'm like i better buy like a portable ac because we got we got an ac in our trailer we have an old trailer but we have an outer room it's like a little it's like a little uh cabin attached to it it's like maybe like 18 by 12 or something like that but it's got no no cooling whatsoever so i bought an 8000 uh btu portable little ac and just stuck the stuck the vent out the window so we got up there like uh, 5 30 6 o'clock on a friday night and it was scorching hot it was like 95 degrees inside this outer room and the thing it would the compressor would run literally for 30 seconds and shut off And I'm like, did I buy a piece of junk? And I'm like, no, man, it just it just can't handle the load. And then once once the temperature came down at night, 
um, the thing ran all night. But then the next day, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, it started doing the same thing. So what I saw, your post, the three uh, three techs oh, yeah. in, in the yeah. backyard drinking, that that was a classic picture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of us three sheets for the win. That was, uh, we all took our turn. Cool. Okay, so um, this is going to be a good one. I know a lot of people are going to want to listen to this. Uh, marijuana grow operations as far as we're concerned in the HVAC industry. Now, you did one recently, correct? I did, yeah. Okay, so are you finished that project or is it still ongoing? Well, finished it. We're, we're finished the, the, the startup and the testing phase. Um, they, they aren't actually growing any product there yet. Uh, this facility still, um, they're still after their licensing right now. Okay. So with with uh, with the bill being passed last week or the week before, um, I imagine they're going to want to get on that pretty soon. But um, yeah, so far just the testing phase is kind of uh, a dry run, if you will, uh, simulating loads and that kind of thing. Yeah. So you're you're in the Ottawa area, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if if everybody's knows that's going to listen because there might be people in the U.S. or or the U.K. or Australia or whatever, but. And I don't know a whole lot of, about it, but I know that we've passed the law that um, marijuana can now be used as recreational. And I believe it's what October seventeenth. I should have looked. Right. I yeah. should have looked this up. October seventeenth yeah. that that it's 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 going to be legalized. And I was reading an article um, in the paper or online last week that the LCBO, which is the uh, basically the liquor the liquor store in in Canada or Ontario is actually sorry is going to run this and it's called um the Ontario Cannabis Store is where is where you can buy this stuff from so i think they're all getting geared up to to start pumping this stuff out by by then yeah there's there's a lot of it out way out our way there's there's, there's lots of grow ups popping up all over the place out here yeah. it's a booming business for sure Oh, it's it's incredible. So let's let's build this uh, let's build this grow up with you here. So obviously we start with an outer shell. Like we have to build the, the the grow up inside of another building. So was it was it in a warehouse? Was it a barn? Like what what, what sort the, of what this was was kind of a it, it was it was a barn. Uh, now now don't think of a barn as like a you know the old wood style barn. This was you know a, a modern enough barn. They were selling furniture out of it uh, originally. So what they did is they gutted this. And they kept the shell of the barn, and within the shell of the barn, and the barn's about I think it's about twenty thousand square feet. They essentially built it. Almost looks like uh, walk-in coolers. These rooms, they're they're big. Uh, I think they're two-inch insulated walls, um, and so it, it really feels like a walk-in cooler when you're in these things, except for you know all the lights and, and the tables and all that stuff. Um, now everything's spray foamed. And the way they've they've done things is they're heating the sh- they're heating between the grow rooms and the shell of the building. So they have unit heaters in the attic space heating the shell of the building. Um, so so that's basically how they're keeping the building warm. Um, from there, so we have there's I believe six rooms, and they're all different sized room so so that was a challenge in its own um basically they have what they call a mother room where the the i guess the female plants are. i'm not a botanist so i i'm not exactly sure what's happening in these rooms but from what i understand that the mother's rooms is where they they'll collect the seeds and all that um they have a propagation room where they'll start the seedlings 
And from there, they move them into the bloom rooms where they'll, they'll bloom and then they'll cultivate and start the process all over again. Cool. So, so and, that's and what we're dealing with. The, the shell of the building, you say it was heated. Is it also cooled or do they just use maybe like extraction fans in the summertime to remove yeah, the heat yeah, from the... Yeah, they, they don't have to cool the shell. They're only, they're only using the heat for the, uh, uh, for the, for the winter. Okay. Um, the, the cooling's all done. I don't know if he's, I know you saw, but I don't know if everybody saw the, I posted some pictures back in April, some uh, of the equipment I'm working on. And that's essentially what's cooling the rooms. Um, they're keeping fairly high set points in there. So um, there's not a great big concern about cooling the shell of the building. Gotcha. Okay. So I guess you mentioned three different rooms, right? So this, each room is going to have its own temperature set point, humidity set point. Um, yeah. So the, the mother's room is kind of where it all starts. And uh, the idea of the mother's room is um, they don't want these flowers. They don't want these plants to flower. So these rooms will be uh, basically, I think they'll be dormant. Oh, I can't remember. I might have my numbers mixed up here, but I think what's going to happen is they're going to have the, uh, the lights on for 18 hours and off for eight hours okay um, and that i think i hope i didn't mix those two numbers up but what happens is the the plants don't flower until you're um you get into a 12 12 sort of period so 12 dark 12 light um so the idea is to keep them from flowering keep them i guess making seed i'm not sure that that room there, they're they're keeping at seventy five degrees with a fifty percent relative humidity. And that's the mother now, the mothering room. That's the mother room. Yeah. No, I I and, have some notes here that I I wrote down before I spoke to you, and and it's kind of jiving with what you're saying with with the lighting times. So, uh, on a few websites I was looking at the the mothering room that you're calling, I, I believe it's called the seedling room, and it's a two to three week period, and they're saying that the lights are on from eighteen to 24 hours so you said 18 and then then they're off for about eight or something like that so it, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mean that, i guess that would that be the seedling change. room yeah exactly that might change i don't know if that changes depending on what uh you know where they are in their growth i'm not sure but that's kind of kind of the idea and that so, room's and kept at 75 degrees you said that's right at 50 percent relative humidity 50 percent relative humidity cool yeah. Okay, so in in that room, do we have um, a bunch of uh, like prop fans to keep the air moving? Yeah, all kinds of prop fans on the wall. Um, we're taking uh, temperature samples from at three different levels in the space, so ground, kind of mid level, and then towards the ceiling. Uh, also, the same for relative humidity. Um, and what the engineers requested is that we stay within a couple, a few points on temperature. And within 5% either side of that 50% uh, relative humidity set point. So, um, so what, happens, what happens when I, I'm going to go into a bit of a story after I ask you this question, but what happens if they get outside those ranges? Well, what, I, what their main concern there is, is uh, I guess white mold is a, a big problem with uh, cannabis and marijuana. So once you start getting those bigger humidity swings, uh, that's when they're susceptible to to this white mold, and that's kind of you get white mold. It's all uh, it's all in the garbage. It's, it's all in the garbage. The crop, yeah. the crop's done. So they they really monitor that closely, and they're they're honest to 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 keep those numbers, you know, as linear as possible. Yeah, exactly. And and the uh, <clears throat> the prop fans to keep that air moving. 
it's so important because like I, I do a lot of pharmaceutical stuff and um, I've had to go in and add prop fans to a whole bunch of coolers and freezers, believe it or not, because they have so many sensors at different heights, like you were saying. And one sensor might read differently from, from the other one, but they want them all within the same range. And I'm like, well, you're blocking these sensors with pallets and you don't oh, have yeah, the right got a table over one or something. Yeah. You don't have the right air. You don't have the right airflow. So I remember there was one, one cooler. It was set up. It was the first cooler going into this warehouse and there was two machines. They were totally redundant, right? So one machine went, went down um, because it lost all its gas. And I think what was happening, it was that the one machine could keep up, but then the other machine every maybe half hour would come on for like two minutes. So that machine went totally down. And then one side of the cooler, it was kept at four degrees Celsius. One side stayed at four degrees Celsius. The other side kept creeping up. It got up to about seven or eight degrees. And then I'm, and they're like, well, why is it doing this if it's, it's 100% redundancy? And I'm like, well, watch. We dragged this big 36-inch prop fan, plugged it in, stuck it in the corner, and we blew it kitty corner to the other side. Within five minutes, that whole cooler was 100% uniform in temperature. Every, yeah. sing, every yeah. single sensor was reading right. So those, uh, those prop fans are so important and, and, and I agree with you. And, and like, if there's a, if there's a sensor that's out of whack, I get a call, you know what I mean? Or an email or, or the oh, office yeah. gets a call in an email and we got to go look at this one sensor that's not reading the same as the others. And we'll find si- silly things wrong with it. Like, like I said, pallets in the way or somebody's moved a fan and in, in the wrong direction. But, but, but anyway, so, so that, that room's kept at 75 and 50. So that's right. For my notes here, we move on to some sort of vegetation stage, which yeah, is about so two, two to eight right. weeks. So they call this the propagation room. And they're, they're essentially in this room. Now, I'm not sure what the lighting schedule is in this room, but the, the set points, they're trying to maintain that same about 75 and 50 relative humidity in this propagation room. Um, where, where it really gets interesting is in the bloom rooms. Um, so the bloom rooms, there's four bloom rooms and that's where these, I guess these plants will mature and ultimately bloom. Um, the lighting cycle there is a 12 on 12 off. Okay. And what they're trying to maintain in there is 80%, uh, sorry, 80 degree Fahrenheit with a, again, a 50% relative humidity. Okay. And, uh, now from what I understand and talking to the grower, he will, he might, tweak those set points depending on the you know what phase the you know what phase of growth they're in or, or but that's kind of what we're aiming for in that ballpark gotcha uh, i've i've the website i was looking at was calling it a flower room and, and it jives with what you're saying it's got 12 hours of light so i'm guessing that like the first couple of rooms it's it's got more light so the load is going to be higher longer for longer periods of time so do these rooms have different um load requirements as far as the equipment well, goes um the the tonnage of the units are are basically all the same um really um where the challenge comes in is these these lights they they don't warm up right there's i guess there's some grow lights you can get and it's kind of like a a sunrise type of effect these lights come on and they're on so we go from overnight you know we're maintaining set point and then boom all of a sudden these lights come on and my uh, space temperature is skyrocketing and I got to get these units to boogie to bring them down without going below set point and without pulling humidity out of the space. 
Yeah. So that, that, that was the biggest challenge of this. And really, once you get the room to temperature, it maintains nicely because from what I understand, what happens is once the lights come on, uh, photosynthesis starts happening with these plants and they start, um, they start transpiring. So the bulk of my load then becomes latent. Yes. So at that point, we sort of focus on dehumidifying the space as, as opposed to cooling it. Now, we'll probably add some cooling in there just to keep that room where it needs to be. But, but the bulk of the work of that machine now becomes uh, removing the latent, the latent heat out of the, uh, out of the space until the lights go off again. So, so um, sorry, go on. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's been a challenge. Um, and all this is, you know, on a dry run, right? There aren't actually plants in there. We have to prove to the engineer this can happen. We're simulating humidity loads. And it's, you know, all this can go out the window once, you know, these tables get filled with water and plants go on them. So Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know what? I'm, I, I'm dying to get into one of these places and start having a look at some stuff. So, yeah, well, I was, I was hoping I could get a little more behind the scenes footage from you. And I kind of approached them about it and they were kind of humming and hawing about it. Um, again, cause they're licensing, they're not fully licensed yet. I think they were a little hesitant despite the fact they've been on, you know, news uh on the news a whole bunch of times and, and walkthroughs and this and that but um i think push is coming to shove now and they're kind of kind of trying to keep a low key for, for now so well it, it's amazing because um, i've called tons of places i called um probably about six or seven different places that like corporations that that were ready to get started this is maybe six months ago and i couldn't get any information from anybody and i didn't want secrets you know, I didn't want proprietary information. All I wanted was yeah. some general stuff um, that could lead me in the right direction. Because I, I wanted to write an article, and I've, I've just been gathering information here and there. And, and honestly, like I told you, you've given me the most info out of anybody. And it's amazing to have somebody on the inside getting getting this information for yeah, you well, and, and, and bringing it back. That's what it is. I, I'm, I'm gathering the info from inside. Like, like I told you, I'm not. I'm certainly not the authority on on, on grow rooms. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a, a bunch of comments saying that you know this, that, and the other things wrong. But uh, this is kind of what I've I've picked up in speaking with the engineer and, and the grower and the, and kind of the uh, the site manager. So um, it's pretty good, uh, pretty good scope for you anyway. Cool. I appreciate it. So I guess. I guess what I wanted to ask you was, was these rooms. So we were talking about the, the loads in them. So do we have, we have equipment that's hundred percent redundant, like backup. Do we uh, have that or no? No, we don't. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is kind of, uh, it, it kind of ticks me off a little bit because you know what happens when non-redundant units go down that are, you know, high priority in high priority areas, but yeah, you know, then the, the stress is on us at that point. I said, well, you know, if you guys have all this product in here, you should have thought about some redundancy. So what they have essentially, they have two units feeding each room. And um, what, 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 to, what capacity are the, are the units? Just, just for so shit and giggles. There's, 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 uh, there's, what did I have? I had six rooms. So there's, there's three larger rooms and then there's three smaller rooms. So the, the larger rooms are four tons or 14 okay. tons okay. and the smaller rooms are seven tons and they're, they're twinned units. So, uh, 28 and, and 14 tons, depending on the size of the room and what the, what we're using. So, um, 
they're they're aeon um water cooled um they're calling them heat pumps there's a reversing valve in them but we aren't going to need the reversing valve i don't know for some reason it was cheaper to get them with the reversing valve in it so that really they're there they're jump they're jumpered out they don't think they'll ever need these units to heat there's going to be that much heat load from the lights and the um the uh unit heaters keeping the shell of the building so what happens is you have their digital scroll compressors with uh mod gas reheat in each um basically you got a supply duct coming out of each unit and then they meet and one you got uh one main duct trunk coming into the space i don't know maybe i think there's four diffusers in the room so you walk in they're looking for 30 air changes an hour in each of these rooms so you're walking into these rooms and it's like it's like a wind tunnel it's um uh it's really different when you think of uh space comfort cooling and like an office application or something like that like you yep. go in there and you you almost need earplugs just from the sound of the, the the air blasting out of the diffusers the props hands all this going on it's uh it's something else but um yeah 30 uh 30 air changes an hour and so what they have is they have a makeup air in the think of an erv really okay um they're exhausting from each room and uh, we're going through uh, a heat wheel on there to absorb any heat, which is another story on all on its own. Um, there is a, uh, then they're bringing in fresh air and they're basically dumping the fresh air into the return of each unit. Okay. Thereby, yep. you know, throwing, yep. it back, throwing it back into the space, getting their 30, 30 changes uh, an hour. Um, they're off that um, makeup air. They're trying to maintain 75 degree all the time off that thing. Yes. And um, what I've experienced now is there's there's such a large heat load in these rooms that um, we're operating this makeup air off of outside air. So if uh, if you're 72 degrees and lower, go to heat at 75 degrees discharge. You know, same thing if you're above. Uh, if you're, I don't know, 77 degrees and above, go into cooling at a 75 degree discharge. Well, because there's a seat wheel in there and there's such a heat load in the building the heat wheel is an on and off heat wheel okay it doesn't modulate speed so what's happening is i'm, I'm getting really high temperatures off the discharge of this makeup air because of this heat, heat wheel so now it's, we're trying to come up with a strategy to to better control this heat wheel um based off the the, the demands of of uh, the discharge air is it screwing up your uh, dehumidification at all? Because like in the, well, actually, may, I don't know if you've experienced this yet, but in the summertime, obviously it gets a lot more humid. And if you're bringing in outside air and dumping it into a space that you're trying to dehumidify, is that causing you any problems? Well, I, I, I can't answer that question yet because uh, I haven't been there yet. Like surely oh, okay. this week, I could, I could have gone in and checked it out and seen what was going on, but we don't have active rooms yet. Okay. So I don't, I don't even know if they're being monitored at this point. Um, I, I sent out an email today, earlier today, actually kind of recommending that I maybe swing by with this heat wave and, and see how things are behaving. But yeah, yeah that would be, that would I, be I haven't, I have since startup, I haven't been back uh, since we've had these, these high, uh, high uh, ambient days. So I'm not sure what the system is doing right now. Surely there's still more tweaks to be done, but. One one thing that I read online about these grow rooms is that you can recycle the condensate water um, to run back 
to be used for the plants. Like they would take the condensate water, um, collect it in a tank, treat it, and then they would use it to feed the plants. Are you using any that, that type of system no, there? That's, no, that's that's genius. How this is going straight to the drain. And you know, it's funny you mentioned that these um, this place in particular is on a well water system. So um, I think there's some concern there as, as far as um, you know, uh, can we meet the demands for for the irrigation and all that? So that that would have been, I don't know why the the consultant hadn't thought of that. So you, where you walk you walk by there and all you see is just it's like Niagara Falls. Like, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Eh? <laughs> so what about um the water for the water cooled machines? Like how where's that coming from? So it's a glycol system. It's just, okay. Uh, it's a clo- closed loop out to a, a dry cooler. Great oh, dry okay. Cooler. Awesome. Okay. So um, I, it's not ideal in my opinion. I mean, uh, on uh, 120 degree days like we've had this week, I, I'm I can only imagine I've got a few limits tripped on on high uh, high pressure at this point. Um, but like I say, I haven't been back to to check it out. So. So a couple. Uh, things that I wanted to bring up to you, which which was cool. Um, in your notes that you had written to me previously, you said that uh, in each supply duct there was a UV light. Yeah, so so there's a UV filtration there. So um, again, the idea uh, with that is to combat the the mold. Um, so and that's a, that was another tricky kind of thing to handle. Though they they put off an insane amount of heat. Um, at one point, the, the fellows that were testing these lights came in, and all my units, my units hadn't even been started yet. And I put my hand on the ductwork, on the supply duct, right close to where one of these lights was mounted. And you couldn't keep your hand on that duct for more than eight seconds. It was wow. that hot. Yeah, it was incredible. I couldn't believe it. There's a warning on on these things not to uh, not to be exposed to them for over 10 seconds type of thing. So I, I think if you stood next to them long enough, you'd probably get a nice little sunburn. Holy yeah. Shit. yeah yeah and uh also another thing they don't you don't think about is um just the changing the filters on these it, it almost becomes like an abatement situation because of, of this mold so there's actually uh when you remove the filters they got to be bagged and handled properly and then they get uh, sent out to be incinerated so that so yeah, that sounds pretty interesting too. That was that was my next question. What sort of filters are you using before the uh, the evaporator to protect it? Right now, all, all it is, I don't know what the MERV rating is on it, but all all they are is two inch filters right now. Like two inch so filters. There, now there's there's a big. Now I wasn't involved in this process. There's also a big. Uh, I think there's some electrostatic, uh, the dynamic filter that they got these big filter banks um, uh, at the end of the mechanical room. I never really dove into that but uh there's obviously some filtration going on there too that i'm I'm not aware of so. as far as the units go yeah just some plain jane so uh plead the filters now if if you were going would are are you guys responsible for changing the filters when it comes down to bagging them or do you s- sub that out to a specialty company well that's that's a bridge we have yet to cross this is um now what happened for me what happens is uh, the local uh, rep for for Aon, they basically hire us to go out and do the, hire me to go out and do the startup. Uh, I do the startup and then I cover warranty for a year. Okay. So I'm I'm not involved with the maintenance, but normally what will happen is we'll go in, you know, and we'll try and get them on board with a maintenance contract, service contract, and for a place like this, it's a no-brainer. They're going to have to do it. So. Oh, jeez. Yeah. 
I imagine I will be involved in that eventually. Um, I haven't really had any procedures sent to me on, on how that gets done yet. Um, like I say, they're still in the, in the kind of in the process of getting product into this place to start growing. So they're not actually, uh, operational as of yet. Okay, cool. Um, so I guess the one, one ingredient we haven't really talked about in these rooms is the, uh, the CEO. And, and I know I was reading just before I, uh, I called you about an hour ago, so the, the, the notes you had sent me and you were going to look into these high yeah, levels of yeah. so, C, CO2 so, that, that the, sorry, the, I, the, I said CO, but I meant to say CO2. Right. The, the notes I sent you now that was in speaking with the uh, consultant. So I think he misspoke and that those were really high levels. I mean, you wouldn't be able to be in that room and I think all the plants would die. Um, I spoke to the grower and they're aiming for 1400 parts per million CO2. Oh, okay. So, that makes more sense. Um, yeah. Now I, I'm like, I wasn't involved with any of that equipment. I can't really comment on how they're, how they're making that. I don't know. I, uh, I really wasn't involved with that uh, side of things. Um, we have, we have exhaust fans in there that are monitoring CO2. So if it does climb in excess of, I think it's uh, 2000 PPM or something, they're, they're starting to purge some of that out of the rooms. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been in a lot of buildings where the CO2 is around 12 to 1400 and nobody's, nobody's complaining. It's stuffy, but nobody's saying anything. Right. right. Um, and, and we've, we've knocked it down to eight, eight to 900 just by cracking some dampers on the, the economizers and, yeah, and get, exactly. getting that, getting that fresh air in there. So how were they generating the CO2? I, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't involved with that part of it. And I, I didn't go poking. I should have gone poking and prodding, but I, I didn't on that uh, side of things. So the company that I work for, um, we have a division um, and it's a cryogenics division. It's just a couple of guys that, that we don't have. There's not a lot of work um, that we get out of that side, but, there's a, there's two or three guys that that constantly are, are, are doing some piping for um from big gas companies like bought gases and air liquid you heard of those right yep, yep. Uh, oh you're right okay so I mean they actually take a tank of CO2 and they pipe it over to a header in the supply duct and that's how they're feeding the grow rooms that they're working on um, but I've heard guys talking about CO2 uh, generators like burners that will, will actually generate it. I've never actually looked up to see how they work, um, but it would be, it would be cool to see like the difference between the two and which one would be more efficient. Yeah. And... I, I can't imagine like in this situation, I don't think they're doing it with burners. Uh, they're, they're on a propane system over there. So I think okay. that might be a little taxi on a propane system, but yep. um, next time, next time I'm in there, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll definitely poke around and, and try and get that info over to you. Cool. I appreciate it. Well, I mean, I don't want to keep you too long. It's been half an hour and, and you've given us a lot of good information. Um, and I'm sure you're going to have <laughs> a lot of questions probably once, once I post this, but, um, yeah, like, like, like you said, you're not an expert, but you've gone through this once and I haven't gotten any information off of anybody like this. So I really yeah. appreciate it. And, and, and I really thank you. Um, and if anybody listening has more to add, feel free to contact me or, or Dan and, and we can discuss it. Well, well, uh, further. We'll, get all, we'll get all those Aeon bashers on board here. Oh. <laughs> yeah. There's a basher. It doesn't matter what unit you post. There's yeah. a bat. There's yeah. a basher of oh. York, Lennox, carrier train. You know what I mean? 
Whatever. Aon seems to be one of those ones, guys. They they love them or they hate them. It's, it's funny, and I'm in I'm in I'm in the, the love category for sure. But I mean, I work on tons of these. So. I've never actually worked on an Aon, to be honest with you. You've never worked on an Aon. Wow. Nope, never. And I don't think I've ever seen one. Well, I got to tell you, you know, they're they're by far the best wiring diagram in the industry. That are, that are they? None, I think everybody can agree on. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I I would love. Yeah. Well, if if you ever. Uh, have like a PDF one, just send it to me. Cause I'd love to see it. Cause I thought for the longest time train had really good wiring diagrams. Um, but I, I don't work on many trains either, but I remember yeah. back, back, back in the day, like we used to have these massive, um, train units on, on, on a mall, Sherway gardens in, in Toronto. These things were the size of two buses long and the diagrams and these things were fabulous. They were, they were yeah. incredible. They were incredible. I really enjoyed reading them, but yeah, never, never worked on an Aon, so. Uh, well, you, you got that to look forward to. <laughs> okay, man. Um, I appreciate your time, and I will, um, I will post the link to the podcast, and, and I'll send it to you um, once it's all finished. Hopefully, sometime right tomorrow. Right on. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. Good talking to you. Thanks, Dad. No problem. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Now, I did mention that True Tech Tools has changed the way the promo code Know-It-All works. Not a big change, just a little one. The promo code Know-It-All will still save you 8% off your tool purchase on all tools in store except Fluke, Fleer, and Testo. Fluke and Fleer, unfortunately, we can't save any more money on those products. Uh, that's just the way it goes sometimes. But Testo has preferred pricing at True Tech Tools, and the way to see that preferred pricing is to have an account at True Tech Tools. It's a free account. If you don't have one, sign up, and then you got to go to a special link. Once you go to that link, you answer two questions. Once you answer those two questions, you will see the preferred pricing for Testo products. So I've left that link on LinkedIn today in a post in HVAC Know-It-All and also on my HVAC hub powered by HVAC know-it-all on Instagram. I've left the link on my profile page for those two questions. So follow that link, answer those two questions with your profile set up and you'll see that Testo preferred pricing. Well, I'm not really sure why, but during that whole conversation with Dan, all I could think about was the track hits from the bong and my trip to Jamaica, hanging with captain crazy up at Bob Marley's, compound true story i actually hung out with a rasta at bob marley's old home in jamaica what an experience anyway um dan i gotta thank first of all dan is a pretty knowledgeable guy when it comes to grow ups even though that was his first one you guys can tell from the comments that he was making and the thoughtfulness that he put into his answers that he's very knowledgeable give dan two or three more of these grow operation jobs and he'll be he'll be the go-to expert I, I know it. I can feel it so thanks Dan that conversation was awesome I really enjoyed that conversation and I did learn a lot and Dan and I had spoke um, through messaging uh, for actually a few weeks before this so he was passing me information that that, that I wanted to to receive to, to learn about these things because like I was saying, I'd reach out to people and nobody wanted to talk to me, not a soul. I'd be passed on down the line, call up, the reception would answer. She'd pass me to somebody else. 
they would pass me to somebody else. And by the time I got to the last person in the line, they did not want to speak to me. They did not want to give up information. I even went as far as calling uh, hydroponic shops that sold lighting and, and whatnot for um, these operations to see if I could get some answers from them. But everybody was skeptical. I guess that's, that's fair because they don't know who I am. And I mean, when I get cold called by somebody, I'm a little skeptical myself. So uh, I, I get that. But anyway, thanks, Dan. That information was awesome. That conversation was awesome. Um, so what did we learn? We learned, we learned that we need a shell of a building. We need, we need some separate rooms for different stages of the plant life. Okay, we need, we need fans to circulate air to keep everything uniform. We need to maintain temperature. We need to maintain humidity. We need to maintain CO. And depending on, I guess, maybe the grower or the application, we need to have um, a bunch of air changes. Now, a couple things that we spoke about that would be good Im implementations to the job would be redundancy. So we had some backup because we all know in critical environments, or we don't all know because we don't all work in them, but I work in critical environments. When the machine that goes down, um, it's panic. It's panic stations. Nobody knows what to do. Well, I'll tell you what to do. Think about the job beforehand and add backup. Then you're not in that panic situation. Then you have time to respond and get an HVAC tech out there to fix whatever the problem is. The other thing we spoke about was reclaiming water from the condensation. Now, when I read that um, a few months back, I thought that was a brilliant idea. So take all this condensation, all this condensating water that's coming from the room anyway, and instead of getting rid of it, put it back into the room, treat it and put it back into the room. That way you're, you're saving water and you're recycling the water that's already coming from the plant itself, the condensation. So those are a couple things that that, that room that Dan was working on, um, if we added that to that room or those rooms, that could have made that environment a lot more efficient, right? And then we, we would have had that backup system in an emergency situation that allows us to not be in that panic mode when we go down. So great conversation, Dan. Loved it. Once you do a few more of these, love to have you back on and talk about it some more. You guys have an awesome day. Happy HVACing. And remember, when you're in Jamaica, you don't drink and drive, you smoke and fly. Happy HVACing. <laughs>